Blog Talk Radio. Aw, cats. Jump back and dust off your Cadillac. You're listening to Respect for Life with your host, Brother Leroy, on the Keys Network. Blog Talk Radio, baby. Act like you already knew. Ow! Out of Harlem, USA, comes blogtalkradio.com forward slash the keys 107. You're listening to the keys 107 network. I'm Brother Leroy. The program this evening, Tuesday evening, is Respect for Life. We're very happy to have with us two dynamic guests for an stimulating conversation, enabling you to plug in a little bit later on. As we get into our first interview, the telephone number to call with questions is 213-943-3618. 213-943-3618. Hit one on your telephone keypad that lets our engineer know that you have a question. Once again, telephone number 213-943-3618. We're thankful to the Most High for blessing us with another day on this good earth. Another day to do some good deeds for ourselves, our families, and making us a better person to be around, making ourselves community-minded, giving information that we pick up on the Keys 107 network, and especially programs that we do, Respect for Life and the Communicators, is there to be a classroom, an exchange of ideas that will enable you and I to help. Okay. We're we're striving to get ourselves together just a little bit of a little bit of, of rain. At any rate, today's guest, our first hour is Brother Robert Muhammad of Surviving the Rock. And he'll be speaking with us regarding how to keep yourself from being shortchanged by lawyers in criminal cases that would uh, otherwise result in your loved ones doing a lot of time uh when it when that doesn't have to be. In our second hour at eight o'clock will be the mother of the matrix, Sophia Stewart. She's the lady who charges that the made on her creative endeavor. Okay, are we are we there? Brother Robert Muhammad, are we in do we have no, Robert is not online right now. If we would go to a commercial break, we'll probably have him in in a few seconds. Okay, good enough. Okay. Okay. Rafika Consultants and Services LLC is on the cutting edge of emerging technologies for designing online classes and providing face-to-face and virtual technology training or help with computer programs, web design, and graphic arts. We also provide biography writing services for websites. For more information, give us a call at. 631-399-0149. That's 631-399-0149. The Fluffs present the alphabet, now found in paperback, sporting a five-star rating on Amazon.com. Boom. 
seven fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Moon 107 is an online retail store featuring women's and men's clothing and the gift shop. The woman's shop features stylish tunics, suits, and accessories and offers the well-dressed woman an outlet to find the perfect gift for self or for someone else. The men's shop offers classy French cuffed shirts for the well-dressed man. The gift shop offers organic skin, hair, bath accessories, and inspirational music imported from Africa, India, and Asia, as well as jewelry and accessories. Moon 107, fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Don't forget to visit Moon 107. Okay, are we back live? Yes, we are back live, brother, and Brother Robert is on the line. Live in living color, ladies and gentlemen. This is Blog Talk Radio, being as creative as we always will be. Without further ado, we're very happy to introduce to this Tuesday evening audience a brother who can help and assist those who are facing criminal court cases, who have children or loved ones upstate, so to speak, and uh, almost regardless of what state that might be in, He'll share with us some stories of how people have been shortchanged by lawyers that they've paid thousands of dollars to, and their loved ones still got time, and uh, he's been able to come to the rescue in a few of those cases. Brother Muhammad, assalamu alaikum. Thank you for joining us on The Keys 107. Alaikum salam, brother, uh, Leroy, and listening audience. In the name of Allah, the Beneficent, the Merciful, I bear witness there is no God but Allah, and I bear witness Muhammad is his last messenger and greatest apostle. As-salamu alaykum, Hotep, Jumbo, and Dugo, Roots, Peace. Brother, uh, it gives me great pleasure mm-hmm. to do this. First of all, I'd like to give uh, ups to Brother uh, Leroy Black. Other Thank states you, don't have this privilege. Mm. This is not a 50-state situation when you can dissect the judicial system on all levels, and you don't have no severe repercussions. This is a blessing in this state and in this particular area where you can get on blog, uh, the communicators, Respect for Life, and the college program and get information with people who have factual information and are not yanking on their chain. Mm. Today I would like to start to give you a little something to put in your plate just in case you want to ask questions and answers later. If a person is arrested, whether it's a relative friend, Miss Jackson down the hall, or Bernice's nephew down the block, first you should try to not give the arresting officer too much of a problem to get him to file charges on you and attack you and say that you attacked him. And this is going to be very popular shortly because you're allowed to have a certain amount of marijuana with you. And everybody knows when you smoke weed, the kind of weed they have out there today, it agitates you instead of heightening your intellectual capacity or making you want to do something calm. So you got to be pay very close attention to the arresting officer, his body language, and where you were and what you were doing. You see? Next, you've ascertained what the charge is, or is just a regular stop and frisk, which is illegal. That's Gestapo tactics, and it doesn't decrease crime. 
killings in New York City as a result of Minister Farrakhan, Russell Simmons, uh, church groups, uh, concerned fathers, other black organizations going to the street and stop the violence. Stopping the violence has taken root in New York in the last 36 months, and the crime rate and killings and gangbanging has been going down. Hmm. Not because of Stop the Frisk or Mayor Bloomberg trying hmm. to uh, uh, get somebody else's glory. Beautiful. It's the result of uh, 100 black uh, uh, police officers, uh, the NOI, hmm. other groups that go out to these projects. Hmm. You only got to do this to each other. Hmm. So it's finally catching on. Churches, hmm. ministers come out and go through the neighborhood with prayer vigils. This stuff works. We know we're not bad people inside. We're victims of circumstances. That's right. And we have to use a survival technique. If we commit a crime, a lot of times it's not just to get high. There's nothing in the icebox for real. Hmm. For real. Go to some of your people. Out there and say, do you mind if I look in your fridge? Hmm. Yes. So now, if you're going to be arrested, whether they kick your door in, find out the charge, where and what time the alleged crime took place. Remember, you do not have to ask any questions without an attorney present. If you don't have funds, they will provide one for you, and you do not have to make a statement. Uh, if the district attorney come with a camera, you don't have to make a statement uh, without the presence of an attorney, and you're like to call a parent, if you're under 16, 17 years old, you want your uh, biological or your person who's charged you in to be present. There's certain things you cannot do to a person under age where an arrest is concerned. Yeah, a child has the same rights that a grown person has, an adult. You can't just bogart somebody because they're 13 and 14, like they do. They catch you playing hooky. And you'll think you, you, you were with Jack Ruby and uh, the missing link between Jack Ruby and Lee Harvey Oswald. Just listen to this. If a child has a juvenile case, these are the things that he's supposed to be made aware of and his parents. Years ago, at a juvenile hearing, you couldn't have a lawyer. They had a guy sitting there and a stenographer on a tape. You didn't have no legal representatives. And you were sent to the reformatories, group homes, or elsewhere. You have to have a notice of the charges, a right to counsel, a right to confrontation and cross-examination of your witness. You have a privilege against self-incrimination. That means it's illegal for you to try to make me tell on myself if I committed a crime. And you have a right to a transcript of the proceeding and a right to appellate review. Now, I want to mention a situation on the appellate review, excuse me, appellate review is because we are under the impression you can't start appealing after you get the 90 years and you upstate. If you put a motion in, whether it's for a legal search and seizure, probable cause, or you were uh, beat up or whatever the motion is for, uh, false witnesses, false evidence, if they deny that in the court where you're getting ready to go to trial, you take it right, uh, whatever city you're in, you take
circuit and you file an appeal right then. You file the appeal before you get sentenced, and you ask that it be handled before you go to trial. Because hmm. it's, it's what is known as a pretrial motion. A pretrial motion, you filed it because there's something to it, you may never get to trial. Hmm. Because you put the pretrial motion in. The judge denied it and said, I, res- uh, I-, I won't reserve the right. You can appeal it. But they got you thinking you can't appeal it to after your sentence. Hmm. Pre-trial, pre-trial claims and things don't have too much weight when you go to state and have a direct appeal and a lawyer who you don't have no contact with. At least you can see this guy crossing you. But the one that do your appeal upstate, you don't have no contact with him only through the mail. And if the lawyer with you won't say anything that you say, he won't check out any of the witnesses, you are virtually there alone. You're like a slave on that auction block. And they're trying to get you into a penal institution. So after the arrest, the arraignment, you let them know you don't have an attorney or you need an attorney, whether it's a paid lawyer or legal aid or a lawyer what is known as 18A or 18B. These are lawyers other than legal aids and public defenders that throw their hat in the ring for the money. It's all about the Benjamins. I don't care if you're pitching pennies or you're standing in Las Vegas throwing big money on the table. It's about the Benjamins. 18B lawyers, they don't have uh, enough cases to make it on the outside, so they throw their hat in the arena to take some of the cases where indigent people don't have the funds and the court paid them a going rate. Just like 750 an hour is the minimum wage, but for certain attorneys that take the 18B status, like the legal aid status, they get a certain amount of money. And oftentimes it may not be sufficient to do the type of investigative work that's necessary. This is why it pays for you to start dealing with the law library as soon as you get into a county jail to find out something about your own case and did they have probable cause to even arrest you. If they didn't have probable cause, that's a time for a motion before you go any further. You put a motion in to have the charges against you dismissed because there was not probable cause to arrest you. And if it's denied, you take it to the appellate court there and ask that it be entertained. Otherwise, the judge and the district attorney and resident officers have already entered into a conspiracy to prejudice your case because you are not able to defend yourself with an, with an attorney or alone. Once you ascertain the charges, you should be looking for your witnesses who there saw this. This pays off a little now because everybody got the smartphone. You can actually uh, do the guy while he's doing you. Somebody can film, film the arresting officer, whether he, got, he dragged you in a hallway and you come out fixing your clothes because he stripped, literally stripped you in the hallway without probable cause. You're coming home with your book bag, and you just happen to be a young brother that really went to school. And you got real books and pencils and papers and homework in your bag. Yes, this is real. So you're intimidated and interrogated, and they try to put the Willie Lynch on you. See, they put the Willie Lynch on you because they talk murder one. 
They stuck on murder one, and they will use that particular vibration. See, they, they, they come up, murder one. Not how you doing, did you go to school today? Take another move, and I'll kill you right here or beat you to death. I'll take you in that hallway and stomp your brains out. That's their language. That's their language, along with the curse words. So after you survive that and manage to get arrested, go to the precinct, this is where you got to really start asking for an attorney and let me call my father, my mother, my sister, or my brother. And you have nothing to say. Yes, that's, that's the way that goes. You don't have anything to say. You're not an attorney, and anything you say can and will be held against you. They read you your Miranda rights, and they'll let you know this. And then they'll start third degree in you, and you tell them you're not qualified to dialogue with them because what you say may be twisted and used against you. Mm-hmm. And you ask for a preliminary hearing. At the time they set bail, you ask for a preliminary hearing. And you'd like a hearing before a grand jury proceeding, and if they deny that hearing, you appeal it. If they say, no, you can't have the hearing, you take those transcripts and things to the appellate court then, and then you ask to appear before the grand jury. Hmm. You want to go before the grand jury because six out of ten cases that go before the grand jury never get indicted. Hmm. The grand jury is sitting there wondering, if this guy is innocent, why don't he come up here and we can talk about it? Mm-hmm. But they scare you during that process by telling you if you go to the grand jury, your lawyer won't be allowed to come in with you. Uh, you you'll be there with the grand jury and the district attorney. You don't care who you be there. <laughs> you don't, excuse me. You don't care who you in there with. They talking thirty to sixty, seven and a half to fifteen. For something you didn't do, and you might be innocent. Bring Bigfoot. Hmm. Bring Sasquatch there. I want to see the grand jury and tell them exactly what happened to me on my way from work, on my way from Costco, on my way from the barber shop. Hmm. Don't tell me my my lawyer don't have my lawyer don't have to be there. Hmm. So you want that grand jury hearing? Most lawyers that sell us down the grain with regularity. They try to talk against the grand jury hearing. That cuts their salary off. Where they could monkey around with your case for two or three years, just run you back and forth from Rackers Island to the courthouse, sometimes you never even reach to get into court. But they go on. They drag the case for two or three years. Those are beautiful salaries. They make money. If you go to the grand jury, you back home. Hmm. Uh-huh. And you ask for a copy of the information. You want a copy of every proceeding, every stage. You want a copy of their their evidence, and you want the arresting officer's statement. Mm. You want his statement. What did the arresting officer say? If you don't ask for that state, what he said, they can really frighten you. They can really frighten you, especially it's charges that you're not guilty of. Mm. You want the arresting officer's statement. You want the arraignment transcripts. That's where they set bail for you or give you another date to come back to court or they parole you in your own reconnaissance. Mm-hmm. But you want this statement and you want a copy of the proceedings of what was said there 
when they uh, mentioned bail or read the charges to you, whether they assign you a legal aid, public defender, or whatever, whether you have an attorney general. In some states, they don't say district attorney. They say attorney general, assistant attorney general. Here we say ADA, assistant district attorney. So you want a preliminary hearing if possible. If you've got good evidence in your favor, you want a grand jury situation. You want to appear before the grand jury with your evidence. Uh-huh. If you got witnesses, you can bring and notify them. These are things that sh- it should be on the back of every paper. Share this information with your friends. Everybody mm. know a dozen people locked up. Mm. All of us. Mm. So you want those particular things. You want to ask for them verbally. You want the transcripts to say this man asked for a preliminary hearing. This man asked to go before the grand jury. To be denied any of those, it's grounds to vacate your sentence if you should get convicted or to give you a reversal where you can come back to ground zero and start banging again. Mm. <laughs> yes. Brother, Brother Robert Muhammad is our guest, and he gives it straight with no chaser. Already the information that he has shared has helped many people in the audience just by virtue of their sharing that information with others. That's the key to this program. Just don't hear it. Take down notes and share this information with others before the program is over, his interview is over, we'll get how to contact him. What I'd like for you to do, Brother Robert, is share with us one of those impossible cases. You talked to me about a young man who was sent up upstate for a very long time, and lawyers had basically jerked the family around for numbers of dollars and um, uh, that's the one that they wanted to have take drugs, pharmaceutical drugs. And yes. Release. So in, in capsule form, because we, we only go up to uh, 8 o'clock. Also, yes, sir. We have, we have a commercial break in about five minutes, so I'd like for you to yes. start. Mm-hmm. We'll have the commercial I'll, I'll, try to, I'll wrap it up as quickly as possible. All right. A young man was uh, locked up. And uh, under, under, uh, he was not guilty of the charges he was locked up under. And he ended up with a sentence of 15 to life. And they tried to, fo- excuse me, they tried to force him to take psychotropic medication. And they told me personally that his soul or his shoe would never touch the sidewalk again. All right, I felt that. What, what I really felt in this case, I had a bum lawyer that sold me down the drain. So his parents uh, uh, gave me all of his records, and I had about 90 days to review his records, and I discovered we could do something. We could do something with his case on the 15 to life. And they said he would never come home again, and, you know, they gave me a hard time in the courtroom because I'm not an attorney. I'm an advocate and a legal assistant. And I've been to prison, see, so you just can't uh, blow a smoke ring in my ear and look for it to come out on the other side. So lawyers took them, lawyers had taken them for, for at least forty-five or $50,000. That's all somebody's life savings where we are concerned. And during the appeal process, I did the paperwork, and it got them back to Rackers Island. And the appellate lawyers uh, were successful in getting the family to not have me present in courtroom 
to be privy to the hearings that was taking place. And the court themselves said, we will contact you because we see your interest in the case. To make a long story short, the institution refused to give him psychotropic medication. That's not a first. Some institutions are bad, but you don't never know which way the dice is going to go. And I got in touch with the institution, and they told me, they said, this man is a model prisoner. We wish everybody in here was like him. This is the one they don't want to come back in the street. Comstock, which used to be like uh, uh, South Africa apartheid, Comstock was known to be apartheid 30, 40 years ago, and I understand it's not too tender now. Comstock refused to put him on medication or to isolate him and make him take the medication. Yeah. And they brought him down. He was successful in getting out without taking the medication. And when the judge saw that he had to acknowledge the paperwork because it was a drug law, he said, the only way I'll release this man if he comes out on medication. The young man refused. You couldn't break him. You see, some of us are hard as granite. Yeah, you got to be doing it. Don't tell me what you're going to do while you ain't busy now. And and we're not stupid today. All right? So he prevailed. He's been home two years now from a 15-to-life sentence, and he does this kind of work, what I'm doing. He goes around and speaks to young men and women, uh, teenagers, who have been uh, arrested for petty crimes, and they're given an alternative to uh, incarceration, but one or two days a week, they do have to go somewhere and address certain issues and let, let counselors and things know how they're doing. So we can thank a lot that he's in the street, and it's a few others that are in the street where their lawyers uh, were selling them down the drain. And don't be afraid to fire a lawyer. And, and you can fire a lawyer the same way Donald Trump fired people on the program he used to have. All you have to do is raise your hand and say, Your Honor, uh, I do not want this man to represent me because he's not working in my behalf. So the family, but, but, yes. But I'm sorry, we're going to just cut in for some commercial breaks and ask the audience to pay very close attention to the announcements that are made, and we're going to get right back with Brother Robert. I'm just going to explore a little bit more about that case which when he presented it to me was, quote, an impossible case, but how he found some loopholes in the case is of very great interest to the audience. So we're going to come back with a little bit more of that case and then your questions, 213-943-3618, 213-943-3618. Hit one on your telephone keypad that lets our engineer know you have a question. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Brothers and sisters, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, Student Minister Abdul Hafiz Muhammad, and the believers cordially invite you to visit Muhammad's Mosque Number no. 7, located at 106-8 West 127th Street, Harlem, New York, between Adam Clayton Powell and Malcolm X Boulevards. Meeting times are Sundays, 10 o'clock a.m., Wednesdays at 8 p.m., and Juma Prayer, Fridays at 1.15 p.m., for more information, dial 212-865-1200. Once again, 212-865-1200. 
or www.mosque7.org. Okay, are we back live with our audience? I think that we are. Brother Robert, you are there, my dear brother? I guess yes, I'm I not. am. Okay, Brother Robert. Lady, uh, uh, brothers and sisters, Brother Robert Muhammad is of an organization, Surviving the Rock, and in jail parlance, the rock is when you're out there in the middle of the ocean of nowhere, and that's the rock. You're surrounded by rocks. You even have human rocks that you got to be aware of while you're incarcerated. However, the truth is the light, and you cast truth, that falsehood, till you knock its brains out. And that's what we're attempting to do here, present some information that you do not get anywhere else. Now, Brother Robert, with the young man who was in from, uh, was it 15 or 19 to life? 15, 15 to life. 15 to life. Now, yes. the the circumstances of his being arrested was what? The circumstances of him being arrested, it was a house that had a lot of contraband in it. And he happened to show up and got arrested in the mix. And they had a warrant. They had a warrant. Okay. And the warrant identified a person half his size. In other words, say the warrant identified me, and I, I, I weighed 125 pounds with all my clothes on, and this guy was two and change. You see, so his lawyer couldn't have been really for him in that respect. Simple. Okay. It's a simple situation. Brother Robert, and, and when you got the case, when the family made contact with you, you asked them for transcripts and the papers regarding the trial. The, the uh, yeah, scenario. you got to have everything because you don't remember it. See, they have a stenographer taking things down word for word. You're mm-hmm. sitting there by yourself standing there, your family's sitting out in the audience like they're watching the movies or a play. You barely remember what was said before you go to recess. When you come back from recess, you can hardly remember what the witnesses said. So you have to have all the records. Records right. are provided free if you request them and put in a motion letting them know that you are indigent and a pauper. Okay, after, examining, after examining the record, you can find the flaws in the case and where you had been mistreated. And in your examination, you saw where the description of the individual, you're looking through the papers, the, the young man had already been in, in jail how long? Twelve years. Twelve years. You Ten years ago. Okay. Yeah, you 10 did, to 12 years when I get the paperwork. Okay. And you ask the family, you tell the family you need this, 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 and this. You begin to go through the papers. The, one of the first things that jumps out to you is the fact that the – the um, person that they were looking for, that he was arrested as, yes. the person that he was that they were looking for in the warrant was shorter, way shorter and smaller in stature than he is. Exactly, exactly. And that is something that, in in uh, if if at what point in the proceedings would you? If you were there 10 years, 12 years ago, if the family had known about you 10, 12 years ago, and you 
had gotten that document because you have to get the 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 charges in in what the the warrant is about. At what yes. point would you have brought this up during trial or before the trial? At what point? I would have brought it up on uh, uh, after the preliminary hearing. And for charges and for charges to be dismissed because obviously this is not the same person that they were looking for. Yes, but but you want all the evidence. See, they master all trick and slay a hand. They are the judge is really an illusionist. Go ahead. He's an illusionist, and they really uh, control the slayer hand, and they know the language. You want the controvert. It's known as controverting a warrant. When you controvert anything, that means you go into it with a fine-tooth comb or a microscope, and you'll find out what the warrant is about, and then you look around at what the warrant says. If something should happen that's not in the warrant, now you have what is known as... uh, the fruit of a poisonous tree. Anything that's tampered with becomes poisonous in any proceeding. And anything come after the poisonous is known as the uh, fruit of a poisonous tree and is grounds for reversal or to throw the whole situation out, to vacate the conviction and remand it for retrial or remand it for dismissal. Mm. Anything fraudulent Anything that happens fraudulent is tainted, it becomes poisonous, and it's not to be accepted later down the line. Mm. In other words, you kick my dough in with no warrant, and you find contraband. <laughs> that may belong to me. The what contraband may be mine, but you you arrest me improperly, and you didn't have probable cause. I want you so to, that's poisonous. I want you to go to uh, just for the sake of time, because we're going to have to have you back, you know, to continue this, but just in terms of the, the when you spot that, that hole in the, in the indictment in case against this young man, you uh, initiate some paperwork that eventually gets him brought from upstate to Rikers. Is that correct? That's correct. And what was the length of time between you spotting that that hole in the case of the against this brother and you filing papers and his coming down and what happened in the court? The judge confirmed I think it was about six months. Six months. Okay. Yeah, six months. I, I went to Comstock to get, they gave me this I was really amazed. They gave me a legal visit in Comstock. That means I didn't have to sit in the visiting room. In the visiting room, it's insane. You can't, you can't do this in the visiting room. This guy over here, he speaks Chinese. Here's another guy speaking French. This guy is Latin. And this guy is just talking plain old, you know, black rap. I can't deal with him on a motion. I can't ask him pertinent questions. So uh, just going in and say, listen, I got paperwork I got to do with an inmate. The guy came over. He said, give us his name and number. We'll bring him down and we'll put you in the lawyer's cube. They got a certain area where a lawyer can sit with one or two inmates if they're co-defendants and do the legal work. So I showed him the motions and things that I made up and got him familiar with them right there. Mm -hmm. And they said, when you're ready for a notary public, public, just raise your hand and I'll send for the notary because she's she's wherever they be in Comstock. Mm -hmm. 
they notarized everything, and I hand-delivered it to the courthouse in Queens. In Queens. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, uh, I went after the lawyer. See, I went after the lawyer in this. You can't get crossed or put down in court if your lawyer is on his job. If your lawyer is not using his skills in your behalf, or he's what is known as ineffective, that's grounds for reversal and to get your case dismissed also. Hmm. So when I went after the lawyer, the judge uh, tried to disrespect me to see if I would get out of line because I had on a, a three-piece suit and my bow tie and my Nation of Islam uh, pen in my lapel. And he asked, uh, who, wrote a, who wrote this motion and who wrote this letter? So I immediately stood up and identified myself as the writer. And he, 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 he said, well, if you wrote this, why you didn't sign your name to it? As if I was wrote it and I was scared to put my name on it. So I told him, if you look right next to the notary public signature and seal, that's me. That's my name there. And after he said that, he said, no more. Then he said, I don't allow ineffective attorneys in my courtroom. I didn't respond. Oh, I did respond. I said, well, uh, th that was one. I, he said, how do you know? I said, because I memorized the transcripts. And I did. I, I had to because it got interested in me because of what they did to him. I had a bad lawyer when I got my jail time, so I mm -hmm. have a thing against them. Mm -hmm. Now, the judge told me at that moment, he said, I only allow three strikes in this courtroom, and you've had two already. So on my own, I sat down, and I never said another word to him. Mm. And uh, two or three weeks later, the guy was on Rackers Island. It took about eight months because she got the mother was convinced to uh, not let me deal with it, and she got taken again. She had no control over it. She wants her son home. So you, you can get taken more than once. You're trying to get your relative out of hell. It's really hell. So uh, he, he went back upstate. He came back down, and she called me one night. She said he's home. I felt relieved. I was really relieved. That's just one of the cases. It's a number of cases where the men are home after getting, in most cases, getting rid of their attorneys. In most cases, making them leave the guys alone in jail and calling out women B's and H's and doing, they're doing street stuff in jail. You don't want to get involved with that. You want to get with people that's furthering their education, clearing their minds, going to the law library. You can give those sentences back that have life with no possibility of parole. The court will take them back just like nothing happened once you put the information together and get it back to the courtroom. Once you get the evidence that's in your favor and against them, once you get the lab report, once you get the fingerprints, you have access to the DNA also. And you want a copy of it where you can dissect it, review it, revisit it in your cell or someone in the yard. Y'all can sit down and you can go over this with intelligent minds. Brothers got 15 years in jail are like uh, Johnny Cochran. Mm. Those brothers are like Johnny Cochran, Thurgood Marshall, F. Lee Bailey and them. Mm. Yeah, they got 20 years in the law library. They're mm. literally walking law books. Mm. And they like to do this. In jail, there's nothing as good as somebody coming out in the yard, shaking your hand, giving you the taller trees and whatever food they have, and saying, yo, man, the papers you put in for me, yeah, they dismissed my case. I'm out of here. Let me know what I can do for you. Peace. Law walk
Brother Muhammad, there's a, a guest who we interviewed, a Harlemite. His name is Harry O. Harry O was incarcerated in Maryland. I believe it was in Maryland, wherever it was. He was incarcerated a lot of time, and this jailhouse lawyer wrote up the papers, uh-huh. and the man was let out based on time served, way ahead of time. Now, yes. what he did, he said, he said, I don't know it was an impossible case. He said, I don't know what he, I don't know what he, about the papers, because he and the, 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 the um, jailhouse lawyer, at some point they became separated. Either the man went to another jail or whatever the thing was. Um, because the judge sealed his papers. And yes. He said, they, go ahead, break that out. Yes, he, he has to put in a, a, what is known as a subpoena deuces tecum. A he what? has to go to a higher court and make the judge show cause why said records was uh, sealed. The reason they seal the records is because they do us like a conveyor belt. When they real, when they realize it's a it's a, a error that went by that can get a vacated sentence or get the charge dismissed, five hundred cases have gone by like that. Mm. See, we're, they're so used to us not protesting on paper or anywhere else, they just run it through the mill. It's assembly line. It's a conveyor belt. So when they say, "Hold it! Don't let this get back out," because we'll have to let five hundred men go. Every other man is in got that in his uh, case. So the judge feels it not to be made known or public. You have to really bang for that with the Freedom of Information Act, and you have to put in a subpoena, deuce and tekken, and make the court show cause to a higher court why they want those records sealed. Beautiful. And and this is where the the person who was freed would be doing a good deed for the rest of folks like him who are incarcerated unjustly or for a time uh, too much for that sentence. Exactly. Uh, before we go to the line, uh, we got a call on the line, but before we go to that call, I want you to give how people can connect with you, and then we'll go to the caller. Well, the best way to uh, get to me is by calling 212-686-1970. Repeat that. 212-686-1970. And we're going to our first call. Caller, you're on the air. Thank you for your patience. Your question, please. Yes. Uh, good evening, brothers. Uh, uh, when you returned from the break, Leroy got me to part of my question because I had only tuned in at about 23 after. So if Brother Robert wants to um, just give a little capitalized version for those of us who didn't get the uh, the first part of the program, and I'd also like him to explain uh, at, at some point, some time ago, I was studying with the um, Moors, law and common, real law and common law, and they explained about something called the clean hands doctrine. Now, w- it, you mentioned about the poisoning and, and something about con- contravening, which I'd like you to break down and explain whether this clean hands doctrine is similar and how do people get 
access to that because the judges seem to ignore that. Now, I'll listen um, over the air if you're clear on my questions. Yes. The question is kind of extensive. It's very deep, ma'am. It deals with the UCC and those particular uh, portions of the judicial system. It's very deep, and it's not enough time, and it wouldn't do that service. It would be like a molestation to try to go into it now. Yes, it's very extensive, and the Moorish brothers, they have a very good hand on that. They have a very good hand, and the literature concern it. What I suggest is you pick the book up while you're here. We basically talked about what you do at the time of arrest and uh, the arresting officer's statement, the charges, time, where the alleged crime took place, the arraignment, paid lawyer, legal aid, 18B, your witnesses, did they have probable cause, and to request preliminary hearings and grand jury hearings. A brother by the name of Allah Bay, he got a reversal because they refused to let him go before the grand jury. Mm. Yeah, Allah Bay, I have to dis- You got my number, ma'am? Y- yes, I, I do. All right, get with me after the broadcast, after the uh, show, please. Yes, I, I will. And I can get you a copy of this where you can read it yourself, and uh, we will look into things similar to the clean hand doctrine and other things that they're not allowed to do to you when you know about them. But we are people who won't read, so it's so much esoteric things that we don't have any knowledge of because we won't read the basic stuff that we have access to. Mm. I hope I was able to shed a little light on your uh, situation. And with Brother, the poisonous tree, it's yeah. similar to a clean hand doctrine also. Break out that poisonous tree uh, piece for us again. A poisonous tree is anything that happened fraudulently, fraudulent and bogus at the beginning. My arrest became poisonous because it was predicated on false information that was known to the arresting officer and the grand jury. The district attorney knew that their evidence against me was fraudulent, and he used it and presented it to the grand jury, so it's not a true bill. It becomes poisonous. If something is poison and it's inception, all the fruit thereof is poison. And a court of higher subject matter jurisdiction is not supposed to accept tainted or poison information. But because we have very little backing and we don't know how to really deal with uh, judges in that judicial system, and we won't come out to court to add the mental energy. See, we find out today when a police gets shot, you can't get a seat in the courtroom. That's brain power. Every living, in the being, every living individual got so much psychic power and brain power, and it pay to have it in the room with you, even if you're not speaking verbally, your head is busy. <laughs> your head is busy mm. because you got mental power that's going against the mind power of the guy who's an illusionist. He's sitting on the bench. He's a master at this. He might have been a lawyer 40 years before he got a judgeship. And he's a master trickster. And he's mastered what is known as courtroom theatrics. Courtroom theatrics is like a Broadway play. As I often say, your lawyer and the district attorney can make the spectators and yourself 
think that they're getting ready to fight physically, just in the verbalizing on your case. And the judge has mastered it that he's going to jump on both of them. And they're only dealing in lawyer tricks and what is known as courtroom theatrics. And another thing, in the picking of a jury, it should be ethnically equal. You know, you don't want nine Caucasians, one Latin, one Chinese, and one black. Yes, it pays to have uh, it pays to have people that you can identify with, because they take people, they take they take targets or torpedoes and put on the jury. These uh, are the people that are. I beg your pardon. Uh, see, see, people. I've observed that in a major case. I observed that in a major major case where there was someone who was basically planted on that jury. Okay? And uh, I think that's what you mean by torpedo. Yes. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yes, that was slang. No, 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 no. No, I'm not clarifying for you. I'm just bearing witness that we come in to a situation thinking it's like law and order TV. Yes. We don't see, we don't know, and you got to really be watching. And then people on the jury may look black. You're black American, and these individuals on the jury look black, but when they open up their mouth, they're from another country. And that's right. the value system. Exactly. Okay, just go through that, brother. Go well, through the torpedo thing. Yes, well, I, I like you hit on a better point. Uh, until they open their mouth, we think they're from the hood. And we find out today when the blacks, some of the blacks on the jury, when they open their mouth, they speak with an English accent. When people come from a foreign country, they're given pamphlets telling them the derogatory things about our communities. So they have a set thing in their brain where the Asiatic black man is concerned, where the the comedic people are concerned, they feel they only know the negative about us. So if it's a robbery, a burglary, or somebody got hurt inadvertently, they usually go along with the establishment, number one. Number two, the planted person there usually is kind of insignificant to when it comes time to decide the case. When it's time to decide the case on the different degrees of the robbery, murder, or burglary, or whatever it was, now he becomes up knowledgeably and speaks a little false, with force. If the people are non-white, they show a little intimidation already because of how deep that Willie Lynch thing goes. They're still stuck on white is right. So he shows the things that's in the favor of the district attorney and the arresting officer, and he verbally downplays uh, what's in the favor of the defendant. And they identify with each other. So if it's four or five other people of his ethnicity on the jury, if they're not really strong, they'll systematically side with him, where uh, a conviction is uh, often granted six times out of ten on that type of scenario, regardless of the evidence. Sometimes the lawyer could be asleep, and they still won't give an ineffective counsel situation. They won't say he's ineffective, and he's sitting there asleep. 
Brother Robert, I, I just want to add to what you're saying, and you've said it already. You said that one who is insignificant uh, when it comes time for the decision, they become a little bit more forceful and articulate, and they can think things out. They um, they they pose as the bridge between those who are this way and that way to come up with a happy medium. They they um, there's another thing there. They pose. They 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 speak and and they have the art. They but you don't know this unless you're in let's say corporate America or academia. You have the you have the knowledge of the skill. They have the they have the uh, the the skill of bringing people together. But it happens to be they bring the people together for a guilty verdict against the black guy. Yes. Uh, they do that with professional skill because they have handlers. See, someone in the courtroom uh, can get to them. The district attorney can get a copy of the transcripts, or he has information to gear him which way to take the conversation. Hmm. See, they know each other. We won't come out to a meeting. That's all they do is town hall meetings. They got hmm. certain bars, certain places. like Just like we don't have afternoon school centers for our youth, we have very few places where black adults can meet and talk about black stuff. See, when we meet in a group, some things won't even come up in our mind if it's a half a dozen Caucasians in the audience or up on a panel. We have to learn how to get black stuff for black people. I want to sit down and tell black people about some courtroom things in a private setting. Hmm. Yes, I want to sit down with other brothers. Other brothers know I'm not a genius. If other hmm. brothers know what I know. His sisters really got, well, you know what they did to my son? You know what they did to Miss Jackson's nephew? You know what they did to Mr. Harris' wife? We want to get in places where black is black and we can get honest with each other about an injustice. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. We'll learn how to free ourselves if we free them inmates that's innocent. See, and that today, again. you can't say everybody in jail say they're, going to, they're innocent. That's not true, family. You got people who tell you sooner, what about this? Oh, yeah, that's me. Yeah, that's me on page three. That's some of my work. And if you get last month's paper, that deal on page four, that was me. No, they're not going to say, no, I didn't do that. They almost want to wear it as a badge, like a a rite of passage. And they got the youth thinking, yo, man, I'm not going to really be cool in my hood until I go and do at least a year. So he'll disrespect you and the police officer and everybody. And then when he come out, he can't get a job because of the record. If, if people don't want him to live with him, he can't go nowhere and get a hall room or single room occupancy. Mm-hmm. So they send him to another penal institution, which is those shelters on the island. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of Patmos and the AGNC. Yeah, that's what they did. They put the shelter on the island. That means at a certain time you can't get off there, and if you're on there, you can, if you if you ain't on there, you can't get there, and if you're there, you can't get off it. We don't use our head at all. And and brother Robert, going into these penal institutions is to go into an incubator that is geared to changing your nature and your mindset. 
Yes. It's like cloning, brother. It's a perfect example of cloning and grafting. You're actually grafted. Today they're speaking about genetically altered seeds, how they've been grafted, how uh, other fruits and vegetables have been grafted, medication, and individuals. Well, this is, a, this is a grafting process, a paradigm, that their best social scientists have put this package together. The jobs are gone. Survival is your basic instinct. Survive. You don't care what happened to Jack Ruby and Lee Harvey Oswald. You want to survive. You want your family to survive. So they move away all the things that help you to survive, starting with the education and employment. And now once they're gone, they put the criminalized black market things, they make them abundant because they know you have to survive. You still have to get food, clothing, and shelter, even though the jobs are gone and the educational system has bellied up. See, the educational system has bellied up in the last 12 years. Beyond repair, this one has to have a new one. Uh-huh, a new one. This one is beyond repair, and you see the people they pick to run it. So today we have to re-educate ourselves. We don't have a room where we can go without being interfered with, where we can sit down and just talk about the stuff we went over today. Mm. Yes. We can do that from uh, we can do that from six thirty seven thirty. Have a cup of coffee and a, and a bowl of bean soup, and sit down and act like people supposed to act. And you know your nephew's really in there, and some of them been in there twenty years already. Mm. And it's, you should write him if you don't have no funds to send him. Write him, and we ought to start donating some funds where we can give a guy some legal assistance. Just transfer him from a penal institution. That's like Devil's Island, and put them in another institution that's known to be a little more civilized. Yeah, this thing is going bad. You see what's happening in the societies across the country? Imagine the jails. They say jails are a reflection of the society, and if you want to know what's happening in the society, go to jail. We, we have to do this for ourselves. We can, no, we can no longer look to the slave master. He's in trouble. His job is gone. The slave master don't have no job. The boss ain't going to give us no crumbs. Boss crumbs is going. We have to get our own crumbs. We have to get farmland. Minister Park, you got to buy your own farmland. With a little hurricane like Sandy, you see there was no food. The Nation of Islam gave out food, black churches. We have to continue doing that, and we have to buy farmland with people who have shown to be uh, honest and reliable. This man is not going to feed you. When it's 200 million white people starving, you can forget that. And they got a drug. They got a drug. They're training people now to eat people. Mm. They, uh -huh, get, on your, get on your laptop or your computer, and you can actually see them eating people alive. Mm. A savage is nothing fancy. The only thing savage really means a person who has lost the knowledge of himself and is living the life of a beast. But you can Robert, have on a, yes, sir. Robert, sorry, I just need you to repeat one thing. Give your telephone number after that, and we're going to wrap up this interview in order to move on to the second one. And Thank that you. is, you made a statement something like this: You said to free an incarcerated brother is to free the community. It's something like that. I, I'll go with that. That's a, that's a, a beautiful piece there. 
I thought that's what you said. That's what, that's what you said. I'll go with that. Yes. If you if you free an incarcerated brother and he's done anything for himself inside, he can come out and tell you tomorrow exactly what's happening inside. And once you see what's happening inside, you'll know how to alter your behavior outside to keep you from going inside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In other words, hallways have become community centers, basketball courts, and recording studios. Mm. That's not good, family. And I love my brothers. I love my brothers. Connect. And, uh, how do we connect with you? And we're going to end on that. You can you can connect with me. Two one two six eight six one nine seven zero. Two one two six eight six one nine seven zero. I answer my phone regardless to what time it is, family. What what is the uh, the uh, furthest? You're you're based in New York City, and people have connected with you. You have traveled where to help people and to assist in the Tampa, Florida. I got a case in South Carolina, Arizona. Uh, I finally got some success with the union representative in Washington State. We got a sister in Washington State. Seventeen lawyers went at her. Her lawyers robbed her blind, and she requested my services. And after a year, she's gotten some positive things in her case. Her case goes before the federal district court, ninth judicial system up in Washington State. It's a California district. It's going to be argued verbally. She is the only black woman that's a union representative, a president of a local in a nuclear site. The old boys club is highly upset with her, and the local that she took over and they voted her in twice is now accredited local with a positive cash flow. They were robbing uh, the nuclear plants raggedy. She's well qualified. She put everything in order. I also have a case in Philadelphia that I'm looking towards and multiple cases in New York City, multiple cases. If you give me your address, I'll send you one of my flyers. My flyers are up in Maximum Institutions and Rackers Island. Yeah, the, the, the CO, his nephew just got busted. The, 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 the female CO, uh-huh, the sergeant, brother, is just got arrested. Muhammad, what should I do with that? Yeah, this, we got to do this with each other. We don't have uh, the money for high-priced attorneys. Uh, we don't have the information. We can't take off. We don't have time to go to the library sometime. All right, get the information, pull it up on your computer, and see how to help a man that's incarcerated and just got arrested. You don't want the information to get stale. You don't want the people who saw it happen to go where they come from because they may not have been from the immediate area. I just say, excuse me, did you see what happened? Would you be willing to say what you saw? Well, here, give us your name and contact. Here's ours. Brother Robert? Do that, family. Brother Robert, 212-686-1970 is his number. I want to thank him for this first interview on this Tuesday night. Just stay tuned to the communicators and to Respectful Life on the Keys 107. The future dates, you'll hear him again, the good Lord willing. I want to thank you very much, my brother. Assalamu alaikum. 
Walaikum salam, family, and yourself, Mr. Black. Ladies and Pleasure. gentlemen, stay tuned for Sister Sophia Stewart, the mother of the Matrix. She says the Terminator and the Matrix series are based on her creative work. We'll be right back. Rafika Consultants and Services, LLC, is on the cutting edge of emerging technologies for designing online classes and providing face-to-face and virtual technology training or help with computer programs, web design, and graphic arts. We also provide biography writing services for websites. For more information, give us a call at 631-399-0149. That's 631-399-0149. The Fluffs present the alphabet. Now found in paperback, sporting a five-star rating on Amazon.com. Moon 107, fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Moon 107 is an online retail store featuring women's and men's clothing and the gift shop. The woman's shop features stylish tunics, suits, and accessories, and offers the well-dressed woman an outlet to find the perfect gift for self or for someone else. The men's shop offers classy French cuffed shirts for the well-dressed man. The gift shop offers organic skin, hair, bath accessories, and inspirational music imported from Africa, India, and Asia, as well as jewelry and accessories. Hey, hey, you! Bring that microphone over here. I want to tell you something. Hey, hey, hey! My name is Bobby, and I've been living homeless on the streets of New York for years. And the only reason why I'm eating out of dumpsters and I'm living without my family is because I lost my keys. Listen to Keys 107 on Blog Talk Radio. Keys 107 and the FOI Board of Directors is proud to present The Final Call. The Final Call is the country's unique leading source for news. Founded by the Honorable Louis Farrakhan, National Representative of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad and the Nation of Islam, The Final Call follows in the tradition of Muhammad Speaks with hard-hitting national and international news and coverage of political issues. It is the official communications organ of the Nation of Islam. Founded in the 1930s as the final call to Islam, the newspaper evolved into Muhammad Speaks in the 1960s and boasted a circulation of 900,000 a week with monthly circulation of 2.5 million. Today, the Final Call newspaper serves a readership of diverse economic and educational backgrounds, including circulation in North America, Europe, Africa, and the Caribbean. Read the Final Call newspaper. You can find one of the beautifully bow-tied representatives in your community or read FinalCall.com. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back with Respect for Life. I'm Brother Leroy. Once again, thankful to the Most High for blessing us with an opportunity to serve you with information, information that you can in turn take to others who may not have had the opportunity to hear this program. You can always go into our archives, and that's the same way that you reached us on the Internet. Blogtalkradio.com forward slash the keys 107. And in the instance of tonight's interview, you look for Respect for Life, hosted by Brother Leroy. Ladies and gentlemen, when the movies 
Terminator and the Matrix hit, we were really, we as moviegoers, were really taken by the the um, the movies, you know, the elements, and wow, this was new, new stuff. And uh, Terminator first, and then the Matrix comes out. Wow, Lawrence Fishburne. We started reading things into the movie. The woman in the uh, project, she was the the oracle, woman who could see, envision, prophesy. Man, black woman. So we knew that these people had something going. And we wondered, as moviegoers, conscious moviegoers, how in the Matrix they would put the black woman in that role, which is really a very, very creative and strategic. And it's true, the black woman is the seer, the visionary. So we said, wow, man, these Wachowski brothers really did something. Then lo and behold, we're doing a communicator show on WHCR 90.3 on the FM dial in Harlem, and uh, we make a connection with this sister, the mother of the Matrix, Sophia Stewart. We interviewed her about three times, lost contact, and then in the last week we regained the opportunity to interview her again. Ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who haven't heard her in interview, very informative. And those of you who are writers, screenplay writers, people who want to um, get some money out of Hollywood or even New York City TV production, pay very close attention. Without further ado, we're very happy to interview a beautiful sister, a very knowledgeable sister, Sister Sophia Stewart. God bless you, my sister. Oh, well, thank you. Yes, I want people to know that I am the writer of the Matrix and Terminator movie franchises, that the Wachowski brothers and James Cameron and Gail Ann heard pulled a Houdini and a Milli Vanilli on everybody. Mm. A Houdini because they created an illusion and a Milli Vanilli because they didn't write it. Just like Milli Vanilli didn't sing it, they didn't write it. Right. They lied to you guys. And I just won a major judgment that you didn't hear about on any news because they're not going to put it on any news against one of the former, my former attorneys, Jonathan O'Dell, and the judgment is $150 million plus. Mm. because the judge told me I could tally up the damages, which could run up to $1.8 billion. I sent you the judgment, Brother Leroy, because I want you to publish it all over so these liars over at Snoops can get it and these other haters and naysayers can see the truth. Beautiful. Sister, Sister Sophia Stewart, when we, the first thing, about your case that really intrigued me and and, uh, Brother Senke, who was co-hosting on The Communicators, was the very fact that you had put this piece together, uh, The Third Eye, which was the basis for The Matrix and The Terminator, that you had put it together. And the, the real creativity that we felt is part and parcel of black folks was demonstrated, is demonstrated in your work, The Third Eye. So I'd like for you to take us through your journey in in capsule form, how you 
got into the the zone of screenplay writing and how it took you to Hollywood and your interaction with various people. So uh, share with us that story. It's intriguing and a benchmark for others out there who are writers who want to be writers. Yeah, first of all, I want people to know that I have two premier, uh, well, two websites, the official website and the premier website. Uh, my first official website is truthaboutmatrix.com, uh, and my premier is two words, matrixterminator.com. And you can buy the book, the Third Eye book, and the Matrix 4 book is available. And uh, what I want to tell people is that how I got on this journey was, was very simple. I was going to USC film school. I got a degree in journalism and uh, a major in law and psychology. And I was shopping my work in 1981 at the 20th Century Fox and later on in 86 to the Wachowski Brothers. And I didn't know anything about the Terminator being made as a movie at 84 because uh, I was married and having a family at the time. And so I, you know, had a son, so I wasn't even thinking about any movies. And I worked at Columbia Pictures, and so I shopped my work to Fox first looking for Lucas. And next thing I know, James Cameron and Gail Ann Hurd and Susan Mesbach and David Madden and Valerie Red had stolen my work, and they had created uh, The Terminator. And James Cameron not only sold some of my work, but he also sold some teleplay from Hall and Ellison, about $85,000 worth. And then he started bragging about success to the media, Star Laws Magazine, and, of course, that nullified any copyright he had because once you admitted to fraud on the government, you don't have a copy when you admit to stealing other people's work, source work. Mm. 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 Uh, a lot of people need to know that. And then the Wachowski brothers, of course, they never had anything. They didn't even try to put any fraud on the government other than a napkin. I think they registered a, nap- a napkin in 94, and they're so embarrassed about it, they won't even mention it. So they never had a copyright, and they lost the 2004 California case. Everybody needs to know that Warner Brothers and the Wachowski Brothers never answered the amended complaint. They never put in an answer. You got 30 days to answer. If you don't answer, it's a default judgment. And, of course, my former attorneys, four of them, never entered the judicial notice on the clerk that these people never answered the complaint. So... It doesn't matter. You can, I can still enter into the courts of the fault judgment. They still have lost no matter what. doesn't matter that it's years later from 2004, they still lost the 2004 California case. The case was only adjudicated, only adjudicated against the Terminator defendants, but that doesn't matter either because they have a transcript where they admitted to Judge Morrow that they stole the Terminator from me 18-odd years ago. And they wanted Judge Morrow to shut the case down on statutes of limitations because they told the judge that's how they sold the James Bond franchise from the real writer of the James Bond movie. 
they claimed he sat on his rights for too long and he did nothing, and so he lost his franchise uh, through the statute of limitations. But the judge told them in my case that the statute of limitations did not apply because uh, the, the clock starts ticking on the, those statutes when the victim discovers the theft and not when you commit the act. Mm. And that it was a willful, it was willful intent with uh, with malice to tell a judge you stole something. That's a federal, that's a felony. That's a crime. And I have the transcript to prove it. So, uh, Sister Sophia, the, I'm yes, sorry. I just want you to yes, go, go back. Ahead. I just wanted you to go back because of the benefit of having interviewed you before. There, there are points that you want to make, and that is the the Terminator was made before the Matrix, and how did you, okay, the Terminator was made before the Matrix, and you just explained you weren't even going to movies, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, but when the Matrix came out and you saw it and you saw the elements of the third eye in it, you went after it, and you you brought up in our prior conversations just how you had copyrighted it so that you could go after it a certain way, and it was in going after the Matrix that the authorities came back and told you about the Terminator. So take us through that. That's a very valuable lesson for us. Yeah, well, it's easy. Uh, it's one epic story. Uh, the Third Eye book, I wrote a book and a script, a screen treatment and a book. And so that's source work. And J.C., John Connors, grows up to be Neo in the Matrix, or J.C., John Connors, Jesus Christ, grows up to be Neo in one and the same. Neo is an anagram, a sneaky way of calling him the one. O-N-E-N-E-O, one and the same. And matrix is Latin for womb. And matrix is mentioned five times in the Bible. Uh, uh, Exodus 34th chapter, 19th verse, God says he who, uh, who opens the matrix coming out of the womb are his children. They belong to him. Mm. And then anything outside of the womb, you're born soulless. You're a machine like a test tube, baby, or Petri dish, or artificial insemination, or cloning. That means you're born soulless. You're a machine. You're born without a soul. Mm. And what I wrote was the second coming of Christ, the evolution of consciousness, man versus the machine. In other words, Christ would come back and he'd be a baby born to a woman Sarah Connor. So Neo, a sneaky way of calling him a water, the nickname Neo, grows up uh, to become, you know, in the Matrix, the 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 the, the promised seed. And Sarah Connor is his mother. And everybody needs to know that. Neo's mother is Sarah Connor. And that if you look at the six movies in chronological order that you actually see the Matrix and Terminator are one, even though they were divided up into two franchises. It's one epic story, and it's 
time travel, past, present, and future. And the matrix is the future, what one will become. And so John Connors become Neo in the Matrix because that's where he's getting out in the city. And the rebels come and they uh, warn him or bring him to the oracle, alert him of what's going on, because it's time for him to do his duty to destroy the machines. But he has to be ready for it, and this is where Morpheus prepares him. And the oracle, well, she's just like John the Baptist, who held the coming of Christ, which was the first story of Christ, and my story is the second coming of Christ, which in Revelation is mentioned that Christ is going to come back and take on a body and walk this walk. Well, what I foresaw was what became the Matrix and the Terminator. I foresaw that in the future he'd be up against technology and that he was hidden out in the matrix on paper as a girl. And when you see all the children, little boys bending stone, and they are, those are indigo children because all these kids are exhibiting unusual spiritual gifts. Mm. And that's because they're looking for the Christ child. The Neo, Neo, the one. Mm. And so it's an epic story. So if you look at the six movies in chronological order, three Terminators and three Matrix, well, the three Terminators actually goes right into the Matrix. Mm. When you see the first Terminator, it's the journey of the woman, Sarah Connor, Neo's mother, and how she gets impregnated, the Immaculate Conception. Mm. And how he disappears, and then she has the baby, but the Terminator is coming from the future. One Terminator is to destroy the woman who's going to have that baby that's going to destroy right. their future. Exactly. And so they have to destroy the woman in hopes that they may destroy the baby. And when they couldn't destroy her, they, then they turned their vision on destroying the child. But a Terminator comes from the future to protect the child so the destiny can be fulfilled. And that's why you see the battle going on. Mm. And you see the child doesn't know who he is yet, and he's asleep consciously. That's why I wrote The Evolutions of Consciousness. He's asleep. He doesn't know who he is or what's going on. He doesn't even know that he's going to be prepared for a battle when he grows up at 30 years of age. The revolution starts. That's why you saw Matrix Revolution. Reloaded, getting ready. Revolution, now he has to go through the pod. His human side dies. He's cleansed. And the eye, the power of the eye, or the eye of God, the power of the energy comes into him, and he's transformed. He's gone through evolution again. He's he's ascended into his fourth-dimensional body, his light body. Mm. He can fly, but he's not Superman. Mm. But he's ready to take on the machine. He's able to step into the void. He's able to go through dimensional changes. He's able to multiply. Every time he multiplies, he gets stronger, his energy. Mm. And, Mm. of course, Morpheus take him through the training, prepare him. And then, of course, in Matrix 4, I've made... Two and three are bad dreams because 
a dream within a dream, like Ezekiel, a wheel within a wheel. Mm. Or are we awake or are we dreaming? Pinch yourself. Yeah. Because, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So this is what's going on. Mm. Now, um... So, anyway, like I was telling you, I made two and three a bad dream in Matrix 4 for everybody who gets the book. And Matrix 4 carries on from Matrix 1. And 2 and 3 is a bad dream. And Neo and Trinity never died. They they both shared a dream. And 11-11, the prompt 11-11 wakes them up. And the Matrix began again. Except this time is greater than it was before. I created new machines to take the place of the old agent programs. No, I'm saying, say that again. I created new machines called hologram clones that take Mm. the place of the old agent programs. Mm. So you actually, in Matrix 4 book, getting everybody ready for Matrix 4 movie, it phases out all the old agent programs, these new machines. Right. These machines are greater. And you actually get to see the virtue penal system. You get to see the transformations of the matrix like you've never seen. Graphics and special effects that have never been seen on any movie screen. Three concepts in one movie. The prophecy, the 2012 prophecy. Uh, the mystery of the Orion's belt and the missing gold capstones of the pyramid. All of that is explained. And then the Terminator. I bring the Terminator and the Matrix together as one. And you'll find out all the secrets and all the questions are finally answered that's been missing since 2003. I got advice from my attorney to release the Matrix 4 book, and it was released November the 30th, 2012. And then when you go to my website, matrixterminator.com, you will see the Matrix 4 book, and you can buy the book, and there are people who are just steadily buying the third eye. But it's available, so you don't have to wait until the movie comes. You can be prepared, read the book, but the version of the the movie version is going to be a little different from the book. That's the surprise. Now, but the book is phenomenal. Sister Sophia, so just just from your 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 taking us through that storyline, it is phenomenal, and it could only come from a mind that had created the original piece anyway. In my estimation, the uh, point that I want you to to uh, explain to us or to show to us is that you copyrighted your material. When you learn that there were elements in the movie The Matrix that uh, duplicated your work, that reflected your creative work, you went to the FBI. Tell us that and what happened. Well, it didn't reflect my work. It was my work adapted. All they did was what they do in Hollywood, adapt your source work to the screen. Just like they adapted Lords of the Ring, J.R. Token is the writer. Well, they, the book, The Hunger Game, they just adapted it to the screen. 
or the uh, what Summit did with the the vampire movies, um, you know, Breaking Dawn. The books are already there, and all they do is just adapt the work to the screen, or the Harry Potter book. They just adapted it to the screen. They didn't create anything. They didn't write anything. They don't don't write. They they don't reflect your work. They adapt your work. Reflect you mean is, yeah, it's another choice of words, wrong semantics. No, no, no. That's but not, anyway, you, 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 what you laid out is on the money. I thank you for that. I'm, I'm not even considering that a correction. You laid it out exactly the way it is. So you copyrighted that work, and that enabled yes, you. Yes, I did, and I got. Go, the... I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, that enabled you, know, you to go to get to, to get them to go after these guys. This that that was a very key element for me in our first interview. So that's what I wanted you to uh, add to the audience knowledge. Oh yeah, well I wanted everybody to know once you get the book, the Third Eye, it's all validated in the book, the transcript where they admit to stealing the Terminator defendants, the FBI documentation within there, the copyrights, the proof that. I am the author and the only author and source work and legal owner of the Matrix and Terminator franchises. They can't even get around the registrations of the copyright. They committed fraud on the government. I have their lying affidavits where they swore under oath and entered them into a federal court, which they know is going to come back and bite them because there's no statute of limitations on fraud. There's no statute of limitations when you commit a felony and you have purged yourself in a court, uh, the government can't come after you and uh, charge you with fraud charges. And it doesn't matter. Most people think they got away with things. It's like Bernie Madoff. He was stealing millions and billions of dollars from celebrities and wealthy people, and he thought that he got away with it. But now he's an old man in prison. They caught up with him. His son turned him in. It all catches up with you sooner or later, just like, these people that bombed the church in Alabama or Mississippi and killed those little black girls, it caught up with them. They thought they got away with it because it went on for 20 or 30 years, and then the FBI came out and arrested them, and some of them were 65 years old. Some of them had met up with divine justice and died of cancer. The point I'm making is that you you protect your work the federal copyrights, because anytime anybody come and bite off of your work or sell anything from your work, derivatives, because that's what movies are, derivatives derived from your copyright, because you you have what you call like a pie. The copyright is like a pie divided into many parts. You you can make plays out of your work. You can make e-books, DVDs, games, gaming, online gaming, attractions. There are just so many things that you can do with this copyright. And so every time somebody makes anything from your copyright, it's bootlegging. Just like if you take uh, and copy some of the movies that you see and you go out and you sell them for $5, that's bootlegging. That's counterfeiting. Or if you knock off Gucci bags or you knock off uh, perfume by some designer, you know, Tommy Hilfiger, that's counterfeiting. And counterfeiting is, is monitored by the FBI, Internet fraud. 
and these people will come after you. Now, I know you people say, well, it's a long time. How come they haven't gotten the Wachowski brothers? How come they haven't gotten James Cameron? It hasn't caught up with them yet. Maybe they're buying off some politicians. Maybe they're paying off some congressmen. Maybe they're paying off the media people to keep it from the people who can come in and arrest them. Maybe they got all this the bloggers and confusing us there to think to make people think uh, that law enforcement that you know it was just copying. It's a civil matter. I mean, because if the police knew that somebody stole your car as opposed to rented your car and didn't, didn't bring it back, and that y'all had a misunderstanding on a contract. That's totally different if they you come in there and you tell them, hey, you know what, uh, that person stole my car. That's a theft. So this is what's going on and why it's taking so long, because they're paying people off. They probably paid uh, over $300 million off to the media, to keep it out of the media, uh, to keep them from covering three lawsuits, because I have three lawsuits that was going on, and I won that judgment in Utah. And uh, no media has covered any of the three lawsuits. The third lawsuit is here in Las, Las Vegas against Andy and Larry Wachowski and Warner Brothers for false advertising on the movie Cloud Atlas, which didn't even make $4 million. It just crashed. It was garbage. And they were trying to say for the Chelsea brothers that they were the creators of the Matrix trilogy to get people to buy tickets. They tried to use fraudulent inducement, uh, saying they wrote the Matrix and people think they're going to go see that same quality of work and they would go out and buy a ticket. But you know what? The people were not fooled because I have been telling people since 1999 that the Wachowski brothers and Warner Brothers executives that sold from me was a farce. They were fake. They pulled a Houdini and a Milli Vanilli. And guess what? It worked. Go on the Internet and you'll see what the greatest medium is in the world. It's word of mouth. Mm. It is not being on talk shows. It's not being on Oprah. It's not being on any of these shows that you guys worship or think is so phenomenal. Word of mouth and the truth is the most astronomical thing you can deal with. I mean, it's phenomenal. You Google my name, uh, I just won a congratulations from LinkedIn, which has 200 million people on LinkedIn. Mm. And they just congratulated me for being in the top 1%, most viewed profiles. Top 1%, most wow. viewed profiles. And Facebook, there's a billion people on there, a billion people. And when they found out that I won uh, December the 7th, 2011, and my two pages, my official page and my fan page went viral, uh, over 14,000 fans, and it went viral, and they snatched my pages off of Facebook, Facebook people. You you guys cannot imagine the attacks that I suffered in the threats. And I informed the FBI task force and the Department of Justice about it. Oh, hold on. I want you to uh, just flesh that out a bit. And uh, we're going to open up the lines 
to our listeners, those who want to ask you any questions regarding the Matrix Terminator, the Third Eye, telephone number 213-943-3618, 213-943-3618. Hit 1 on your telephone keypad that lets us know that you have a question. And we'll be right back after these announcements. Remember, the number is 213-943-3618. Hit 1 on your telephone keypad. You'll be on the air with Sister Sophia Stewart, the mother of the Matrix. We'll be right back. Hey, hey, you. Bring that microphone over here. I want to tell you something. Hey, hey, hey. My name is Bobby, and I've been living homeless on the streets of New York for years. And the only reason why I'm eating out of dumpsters and I'm living without my family is because I lost my keys. Listen to Keys 107 on Blog Talk Radio. Keys 107 and the FOI Board of Directors is proud to present The Final Call. The Final Call is the country's unique leading source for news. Founded by the Honorable Louis Farrakhan, National Representative of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad in the Nation of Islam, the final call follows in the tradition of Muhammad Speaks with hard-hitting national and international news and coverage of political issues. It is the official communications organ of the Nation of Islam. Founded in the 1930s as the final call to Islam, the newspaper evolved into Muhammad Speaks in the 1960s and boasted a circulation of 900,000 a week with monthly circulation of 2.5 million. Today, the Final Call newspaper serves a readership of diverse economic and educational backgrounds, including circulation in North America, Europe, Africa, and the Caribbean. Read the Final Call newspaper. You can find one of the beautifully bow-tied representatives in your community or read FinalCall.com. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back with Sister Sophia Stewart, and the telephone number for callers is 213-943-3618. I'll say it a little bit slower. 213-943-3618. Hit one on your telephone keypad that lets us know that you have a question for Sister Sophia Stewart. We have a caller on the line. Thank you for your patience. Your question, please. Yes, uh, I tell you, I am just so excited, Brother Leroy, about your finding this sister, because some time ago I heard some of this story. I think it was on BAI, so it's so good, so important that this sister has surfaced again. And I want to know, um, I want her to talk more about um, the Matrix movie in particular as to because it seemed to me there were some very interesting aspects of it, and I knew about the sister having played, you know, having created the franchise. But to me, there was a lot of violence in the movie. So I'd like to talk to to her. Well, first of all, does she have any vision of actually at some point doing the version of the movie that she intended to do because she was speaking on about the fact how Hollywood treats the subject and whether she's able to share with us some aspects of that that would have been quite different, not too much, of course, but some aspects that would have been quite different and uh, where she goes from here. And I'll listen over the air. Thank you so much for finding this, sister. 
Sister Sophia. Yes. Um, okay. To answer your question, I, I want to tell her that uh, that's why when I finish finish the work with Matrix Four or continuing the work, um, you're going to have violence in all of these movies, practically in Hollywood. I mean, because they are the ones that adapt your work to the screen. You don't have creative control. No writers have creative control. That's why a lot of writers won't even sell their work to Hollywood. And when you do sell your work to Hollywood, if they get it correct, what becomes a major success, I mean, that's a miracle. Because half the time they don't even know what they're doing when they're adapting work to the screen. And you've got to realize that Hollywood, uh, there are major things that sell in Hollywood for Hollywood. Sex is one of the things. Violence is another thing. You know what I'm talking about? And just stereotyping. So you don't get to have creative control unless you are going to do a movie yourself. And most people don't do franchise movies. They might be able to do movies that cost $5 million or $20 million, even 30 or $40 million to get some kind of control over. But when you're doing franchises, that's what studios do. They adapt the work, and hopefully they'll understand the message that the writer is conveying. And... I hope that you will enjoy Matrix 4. When you read Matrix 4 books, there's not as more of knowledge in it, more of a message in it, and then maybe you'll you'll find it differently. And I made 2 and 3, Matrix 2 and 3, Reloaded and Revolution, like it never took place. So whatever violence that you experience here, you can think of it as a bad dream that Neo and Trinity was having, and it really didn't happen. Just like when you have nightmares and you wake up and you see a happy, wonderful sky, beautiful, you know, bright and blue, and that is nothing going on to threaten you, you know, it was just a bad dream you were having. Hopefully, when you read Matrix War book and you see the movie, then you won't be thinking about this bad stuff that you saw in 2 and 3. So the violence. I'm sorry, Sister Sophia, yes. the case with the lawyer that you mentioned at the very top of the program, and uh, how did that come about? What was the basis of the suit against that particular lawyer? Well, let me explain that. It's three lawsuits that everybody needs to understand. It was my $300 million triple the damage, which ran to a billion-dollar case, uh, which was in 2004, California. And then I sued the four attorneys who came, was paid by Warner Brothers to come and sabotage the California case. Well, I actually got them in Utah in the federal court, and I just won that judgment for $150 million plus, tallying up the damages, which can run up to $1.8 billion dollars. It was against my four attorneys that Warner Brothers had sent to sabotage me. Uh, I got the judgment against one of them. That was the 2007 California case. And the third case is, it was filed in actually November the 1st, 2012, 
against Andy and Larry Wachowski and Warner Brothers. And that case is just getting underway in Nevada. But the judgment was won, just like I told you, in the 2007 California, uh, Utah case that's been going on for five years. And uh, this is where the confusion is with everybody, where some people think that my case was closed and shut down, and some people say they were hearing that Sophia Stewart won, and, you know, she won a judgment, so we don't believe that. So this is where all the confusion is. The media has been informing you guys and actually covering these cases. There wouldn't be any confusion. But, again, like I told you, they're paid to look the other way. They're paid to keep you guys confused because if they were covering these stories, all of the atrocities would come out. And then, of course, Warner Brothers executives and Andy and Larry Wachowski and James Cameron and all of them would have to go to jail. Now, for so the they've been paying off media and, and politicians and people um, to keep the confusion going. For the audience, uh, one of the ways that uh, a company can shape the editorial of a publication is through advertising. And movie advertising is huge. So... The payoff looks as though it's advertising, uh, but it's above and beyond the usual dollars. That I'm, I'm just laying out a scenario. Not that I know anything about your case. I'm just letting the audience yeah. know that that is one way of doing it. If you dangle uh, $12 million uh, advertising by for the whole year for your group of movies, that's a lot of salaries, that's a lot of trips, that's a lot of, you know, um, I don't think you need to go ahead with that story. Uh, it's not important to us. That kind of thing can result. Telephone number 213-943-3618, 213-943-3618. You'll be on the air with Sister Sophia Stewart, the mother of the Matrix. How do people access or get your your books? Yeah, they go on my website, truthaboutmatrix.com, and you can buy the books there. But I would like for people to go to matrixterminator.com and they can see Matrix 4 book and Third Eye book. And, you know, take a look at both of my website. But you can buy the book on truthaboutmatrix.com, therefore sell, and read about the truth and learn for yourself and see the FBI documentations where they validate the theft of the Matrix and Terminator. And uh, all the documents on my website is uh, me winning, uh, the judgment, and so forth. All of it's right there now, what for, the th for anyone to see. Sister Sophie, uh, uh, I'm about to go into one other thing, but... Uh, truth about the matrix. Truth about the matrix. dot com. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. That's one of my websites, and they can go to my other one. It's two words: matrixterminator. dot com. Matrixterminator. dot com, and they they can or they can Google me, uh, put in Sophia Stewart, and it'll take them directly to my website. They can find my website on the Google search engine. 
and, and just click on the link and go straight to both websites, and they can buy the books, the Third Eye book, and, of course, the Matrix 4 book, uh, Getting Ready for Matrix 4 movie to come out. And they can see the documentation themselves uh, because the media is not leaving us much choice, you know, any choices, but to uh, seek out the truth yourself. Sister Sophia, when you look at yourself and your family, your mom, your dad, your grandparents, etc., at what point are you looking at where you are drawing on the resiliency that you have demonstrated in this case that is geared to crushing the little person, and yet you have been resilient, you have written, you're still creative, and you're talking to us today with sound mind and body. Where Where is that strength coming from? What, what are you drawing on? I would have to say that I'm drawing from my grandmother who's native. She's full-blooded native, Cherokee. She has the gift of sight, and that's where I got the gift from, uh, and a photographic memory. And I guess I'm drawn from my ancestors, you know, because I feel like the blood of a lot of people who have died and who were stolen from and who was injured and some got sick and they really couldn't fight the fight. Mm. I feel that all these people are all these ancestors and my grandmother, who's passed away, all of their strength has come uh, back to, you know, to back me because there's no way in the world that uh, I'm still here and phenomenally strong and uh, and very knowledgeable and well-educated to handle the giants like Warner Brothers and the Wachowskis, uh, James Cameron, Galen Hurd and these people who got billions of dollars behind them. Uh, and who some people know have died facing a lot of these people. A lot of people have died and people of color who were mm. phenomenal gifts like Michael Jackson and uh, just like uh, Tupac, Biggie, and uh, Whitney Houston. I feel like all of them uh, were killed because of their publishing rights, and they, they were phenomenal gifts. They, wow. they had phenomenal gifts. They were very gifted people, and they there was no right for these people to take their lives and take these gifts from us. And these gifts that they had, that God gave them, that brought them upon the earth, these people come upon the earth every 100 years with phenomenal gifts. And it was taken from us at such early age. You know, they were young and phenomenal, and they hadn't even tapped into the beautiful gifts that God had given them to heal the world. And it, it really hurts my soul. And, of course, that gives me power and strength to fight against all injustice. And I hope all my people and people of color and other white people who also died during the Civil Rights era with Martin Luther King, all those people will come behind me and stand in fight against the injustice of taking our publishing rights. I feel that Ray Charles died an old man, even though he was doing drugs, he still died an old man because he owned his publishing rights. Mm -hmm. And it's not right to take our publishing rights. 
I say to everyone, keep your publishing life because that's your legacy. That's what God gave you to pass on to your family. Mm. And that you must stand up against any Ku Klux Klansmen, mm. any demonic people who want to take what belongs to you. Those gifts were given to you by God. Stand mm. up and fight for them. Mm. Do mm. not let these people kill people with phenomenal gifts and, and just do whatever they want to do upon, upon the earth. No one is above the law. Mm. And we all must take a stand for justice. Otherwise, evil will come after all of us. Mm. A lot of celebrities told me they cheered me on. They said I was like the female Muhammad Ali. Mm. I stood up against the injustice. Mm. And that's why Ali was such a phenomenal hero. And that's why the Neo character was created, you know, as he is a role model because that's why Will Will Smith was asked to play Neo and he turned it down for Wild Wild West. But it's okay because uh, Keanu Reeves is a man of color. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's, he's English and Polynesian Asian. Mm-hmm. So it still got, the message still got carried on and carried mm-hmm. out. But I think that we all need to stand up and take a stand, like, why? otherwise, why did Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and old Gandhi and all these other people die? It was all for nothing. Hmm. for nothing if you don't take a stand. Telephone number 213-943-3618. Your question for Sister Sophia Stewart, if you so uh, choose to, 213 Four three three six one eight. Hit one on your telephone keypad. You'll be on the air with Sister Sophia Stewart. I just need you to uh, give us a little bit more about your grandmother. Her name, and you said she had the gift of sight, of seeing, of prophesying. But before we do, we have another call on the line. Thank you for your patience and your support of the Keys One Hundred Seven. You're on the air with Sister Sophia Stewart. Your question. Sister Sophia, this is Robert Muhammad. First of all, I'd like to congratulate you for your resilience, your strength, and your ability to go into your mind and get this information out, which is very integral now that we uh, must go for ourselves and the best of us are coming to the surface. And you're right about those homicides and things of that nature, how they pick us off one at a time. I was wondering, do you ever come somewhere where you are the featured speaker, uh, like these places that they show on Channel 13 when they're doing a fundraiser? They'll bring one person and they'll speak for an hour or so or sit down and relax and continue because your information is not only new, it puts us on a higher level where copyright infringement and our motion picture productions are concerned. And we have controversial pitches out now that would have been much better had you put them together with the information that you've gleaned and with the information that you have. Do you have a group of attorneys, like just coming out, just starting up, that would like to get in an organization where they can assist people who don't have the funds and don't have the legal information or the education to attack these uh <laughs> satanic giants. So you have to be well put together. Well, I mean, 
Yes. I was going to say, yes. I do not have a group of attorneys. I wish to God that I did. But I'm going to tell you something that I don't think will shock you or surprise you. These petty, these people have paid judges and lawyers uh, off to look the other way, uh, to not here to subvert the uh, the due administrations of justice in the court system. Uh, some of these judges and some of these lawyers are nothing but Ku Klux Klansmen wearing suits, Brook Brothers suits, and Amati suits. And David Duke warned all of you in 1992 when he said that they didn't no longer have to wear the sheets. They never wore any hoods. They wore sheets. And the reason why they wore the sheets were because they were law enforcement. They were people and judges and lawyers and policemen and agents, FBI agents, and uh, they are sworn to uphold the law. And they put those sheets on to break the law, and you these clowns that you see with these, in uh, these, in uh, these uh, different aspects that you see on television, and walking around in parades with these hoods on, and calling themselves grand dragons, they're nothing but jokes. They can pull all that crap off because they're not anybody of substance, and they're not anybody in the position to upkeep the law. The real Ku Klux Klansman, and this is where black history is so, uh, needs to be in all schools, including white schools. While it is mandated that black history be in all the schools, the black people are compliant, but the white people are not compliant with the mandate, the law. And this is the reason, because you guys are confused as to who the real Ku Klux Klansmen are. And let me tell you, uh, you go into history and you'll find out there or what I just told you. They are the people who were sworn to uphold the law, politicians, senators, congressmen, uh, the police, FBI agents, people that's located in the Department of Justice, FBI, the police force, uh, the judges. And they got their little special handshake and they're wearing their Brooks Brothers suits and it's business as usual. And don't be fooled. They are not these people in these parades that are clowning that don't have a window or a pot to piss in or window to throw it out of. They are not the KKK. Mm. I'm sorry if you guys are confused, but you need to take the cobwebs out of your mind and see it for what it is. They don't have to wear the shoe cheeks anymore, but they got the special handshakes, and you need to look around, and they're wearing suits. And they're turning you away and saying they won't take your cases because they're nothing but Ku Klux Klansmen. Mm, mm, mm. And what they did in 1865 was steal property and threaten people and ran off people from doing business, the restraint of trade, you know, un- you know unlawful, unlegal mm. monopolies. Mm, mm, mm. Mm. And if you guys don't don't know history, then I can teach you the history and look you up to what's going on. Sister These Sophie. are the people who are taking your properties and your houses and your homes and allowing banks to steal your homes and mortgages. Sister Sophia, when you I'm, I'm looking at another aspect of your life. And that is your consciousness uh, 
as you came into the game of writing and uh, screenplay writing, the situations that you run into, where, how, how ready were you for these? And your statement just now reflects in a a very mature assessment of what we're dealing with as a people. At what point has your was, was your consciousness already there, or has it evolved to the point where it is now? I was I was always prepared for this role. I'm a visionary seer like uh, Nostradamus, like Leonardo da Vinci, like Tesla, Edgar Casey, those guys. Uh, this gift was already there. When you get my book, The Third Eye, in 1981, I'm talking about digital downloading. I'm talking about barcodes and scanners. And I'm talking about computerized warfare with the drones. Technology that hasn't even come upon the earth, and the copyrights are there to prove it. And I'm mm. playing computer games in the in 1980 while mm. I'm at USC film school. I studied law from the Brooklyn and Manhattan lawyers, who were some of the most famous and phenomenal attorneys. And I, not only that, but um, I won the judgment. The 150 million plus judgment on my own without an attorney, because I'm gifted in law. And I was doing taxes when I was 11 years old. I was doing payroll when I was a teenager. I scored a 98 on the IRS exam because they wanted me to work for them. I worked at the Columbia Pictures Studios, Channel 13, with the Oscar Award producer Perry Miller-Adato. I went to school with celebrities and celebrity and celebrity teachers, Marcus Allen and Ronnie Lott over at USC Film School, Marcus, the Heisman Trophy winner. Um, my boyfriend at the time was a famous Heisman winner, Anthony Davis. Mm. And my teachers, uh, former journalist Max Siegel, New York Times, Emil Caputia, author, essay critic, um, Big Apple playwright Paul Cherry, uh, Leon Roth, whose son is the screenwriter Eric Roth, that wrote uh, Benjamin Bunsen, uh, Forrest Gump. So I think that God had already prepared me to take on uh, all of these giants just like he did David. And that it, he makes no mistake in who he chooses to champion his cause. And I'm champion the truth. And I'm not afraid to speak it. And I'm not afraid to go out and speak for it. And I've done speaking engagements with the NAACP. I won the Rosa Park Award from them in 2005. Mm. I won the uh, Empowerment Award from the Las Vegas Music Awards in 2006. And the Oneness Award, the same one that Muhammad Ali and uh, Princess Diana got in 2007. And I've gone to schools to speak and other private engagements to speak to people on copyrights and protecting your copyrights and understanding what the copyright laws are about and that intellectual property is just as real as your house or your car or anything else that you own. 
mm. and that it should be protected, and you should start to understand the law about it and start getting copyrights and stop paying attention to these books that tell you to do a poor man's copyright. Poor man copyright is not going to send out the FBI to protect your property. When the studios see you bootlegging movies and selling them for $5 or whatever, they're going to send the FBI to arrest you. You do digital downloading of music or you download stuff that you have no business, they're going to send the FBI to arrest you because it's counterfeiting. Well, every time the studios steal your intellectual property and they start counterfeiting it, making it into derivatives, whether they're movie derivatives, play derivatives, uh, music, gaming, attractions, they're counterfeiting, and they need to go to jail. Whatever is good for the goose is good for the gander. Hmm. And you cannot let anybody, FBI or the government, tell you, you need to go take these billion-dollar giants to the court because that's impossible. You're not going to win because it's rigged against you like Monopoly. You don't go and play the person who invented Monopoly and try to play the game Monopoly and you're playing with the inventor, the creator of Monopoly, because you're not going to win. And it's impossible for you to go to court to win against billion-dollar giants who have judges, lawyers, and politicians in their pockets. That's insane. You need to tell the FBI and the government, you arrest my kids, you arrest people for bootlegging and counterfeiting, and you're going to arrest these people for bootlegging and counterfeiting my property. Because mm. believe me, don't let them tell you it's two different things going on because it's not. And you're, it's you're... insane because I've heard lots of people, celebrities and all kinds of people, they even stole from a congressman, that, oh, when we get stolen from, we got to go to court. But when they get stolen from, you go to jail. Mm. You need to wake up, people. You need to wake up. You need to file a class action lawsuit against the government. Mm. You need to file that against the government immediately so the government can see that you're not playing any games. Sister Sophia. Hello, hello. I'm sorry, do we have a call on the line? Yeah, this is Ryan. Oh, Ryan, Ryan, okay. You're on the line. I'm sorry. Sorry, sorry. You guys have a Okay, goodbye. Okay, all right. Well, whatever that is. Um, Sophia, the the essence of the point that you were making is do the copyright the way it is uh what is it, the 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 um what is it, the uh copyright office of the the, the uh government. I've never copyrighted anything yet, but that that particular entity that you go to to copyright, I think it's thirty five or ninety dollars, is the Library of Congress or, or what office is that? And that gives you the right to do what you just laid out. Get the FBI after somebody that takes your work. Well, maybe we will cut off with uh Sophia and uh Maybe our okay. I, I think yeah, this, is, this is Brother James, and uh, Sophia's line is still live, but I'm not quite sure what's happening there. Okay, Sophia. No, I'm is, fine. I'm here. 
Okay. No, right, so I'm here. What was the okay. question? I'm sorry. Listen, um, the essence of what you were just sharing is do the copyright the right way as opposed to putting it in a letter and mailing it to yourself. The right way of copywriting that gives the individual, the, the victim, the opportunity to get the government after the perpetrators, the stealers of your work, the right way is how? Well, people should get copyright. They should pay for the copyright because you're paying for the same protection that they're paying for. That's why they get copyright. So when you steal in bootleg or counterfeit, they're going to call the FBI in on you. Now, they will lie to you guys and put these books out and tell you, oh, yeah, get a poor man's copyright because there's been a lot of books. And a lot of people talk about this nonsense. But they're not telling you the repercussions of the nonsense. If you got to do a poor man's copyright, and it's nothing validated there, the FBI will not even come and even investigate unless you've got federal copyrights. How do I know? Because when they investigated my case, the first thing they asked for were my copyrights, which is 81, 83, and 84, and the 2010 Matrix 4 copyrights. So copyrights are very important. They're just like you having a title to your car, a, a deed to your house, you know, proof of property. Got it. Now, Sister Sophia, what individual, if you're, you're at liberty to share this, what has come to your attention in terms of other folks' work being stolen by Hollywood um, and maybe they have suits which are winding their way through the courts or they brought action that's that stall or whatever. What has come to your attention? I have something to share on that with from a brother here in New York. His name is Gregory Hudson and uh, he's connected with maybe seven or eight other people, black folks who have had creative work stolen. What is your awareness of uh, some of the other instances like yours that are out there. Yeah, well, I'm glad you brought that up. I know Mr. Hudson, and I tried to tell Mr. Hudson years ago, and I tried to tell other people because my fight was totally different from others. And, I mean, you know, I respect whatever direction people need to go in and they need to fight their kind of fight. I respect that because, you know, he's a very phenomenal man. He's very well-versed in law, but these people that he was going up, they were clerks and stuff and judges diverting him. They were clerks stealing and taking his papers and losing them. Right. All kinds of atrocities. He went all the way up to the Supreme Court, and they were just as crooked and subverting also. They were just what I call like cheap prostitutes who sold their souls out to the highest bidder. And I told all of the people, because I was approached by thousands of people, all kinds of colors, even white people, different Spanish. It didn't matter, different races, because theft is it's what it is. It's theft. It has nothing to do with the color of your skin. Sometimes it has nothing to do with anything but somebody wanted what you got. What you got. And they took what they wanted to take, and they knew that the government and the FBI agents and all these other people were going to subvert and help steal, so, and tell these people to go to court and all this stuff. So what I'm saying is that 
I believe and I told people that we would do a class action lawsuit against the government for the theft because the government is the one that was supposed to have protected these people's copyrights. The Hudson had copyrights. Daryl Lassiter had copyrights. Daryl mm. Lassiter had Gary, Gary, Willie Gary to come in. And Willie Gary was like Johnny Cochran's right hand man. They would go in together. And, of course, I was the last case that Johnny Cochran called for, you know. And so his publicist, Terry Williams, he'll validate that. And he died before he could do my case. But the point is that even Willie Gary, I believe, got, got bumped off there, got bought off. Because poor Darrell last year got just hustled through on Drumline. Drumline was his work. Uh, Mr. Hudson's work was life, got stolen, and they didn't get any justice. Mr. Hudson got a book out. But the atrocity is that the government has allowed these people unlawful monopolies uh, and, and restraints of trade against black people and have siphoned billions of dollars out of the black economy. We were supposed to be way ahead in Hollywood. We were supposed to be way ahead monetary-wise and have studios, and, and our work was supposed to be published and out there and not just going to DVD like 50 Cent's work, work is, the distribution, going, to, going, going in that direction. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Which, yeah. which is a shame because it, it tells you that we don't have distribution. Yeah, we can make all the movies in the world. But what right. does that matter? if you don't have distribution to make money. See, the point is this, like under the Sherman Act, breaking the antitrust laws, preventing uh, us from trade, preventing us from making money, preventing our, our economy from prospering, preventing us from having stores and, 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 and studios and, and, and being able to uh, distribute our work overseas, internationally. We've been blocked from all of this because right. so many people are so blind they can't see the, see the truth. Blind with the glitter and the gold of Hollywood and want to work with the criminals, they can't see that the criminals are never going to accept them. They got their own little group, tight-knit clique. They're going to keep that money within the clique. They're not going to let outsiders in. But you don't need to go in there. You need to do like Lucas and Rock Ricas. And start creating your own thing. We're in the digital age. We don't need Hollywood. They're going out of business. In mm. fact, I prophesied in 1999 they were going to be in the thrift stores and their equipment. They didn't have mm. their heyday. They're like the old dinosaurs that ate upon the earth, and now it's time for the earth to open up and swallow them. Same thing that happened with IBM and Xerox when Microsoft and Apple took their place because they didn't understand what a mouse was. Well, they don't understand what it is for free trade among all people. We're in the digital age. So everybody can make money. Nobody is going to be hurt. Nobody is not going to miss a dollar because everybody can make money because the Internet is free for Everybody mm. can make money. Mm. And so we got to put an end to it. And people need to stop worrying about what little bit they got because you've already lost a little bit you got if you don't stand up for truth and justice and free economy and a, and a free democracy for the whole world 
for a free republic. Mm, beautiful. You've already lost what little bit you got. And look at it, Hollywood. They don't honor us giving out Oscars for bad role models, giving an Oscar to Denzel for being a bad cop, right. to Monique for being a bad mom, and for wow. Halle Berry to being a whore, opening up wow. her legs to the sheriff that killed her husband and Damn. having him executed. It's the truth. I mean, hey. why not give give us Oscars for positive roles like what, what uh
the Respect for Life program is possible because of the advertising that you hear on the Keys 107. Just pay very close attention to the announcements after this program and look forward to seeing you or hearing you again on the communicators this coming Saturday evening. May God continue to bless each and every one of you and share this information that you heard this evening. And you can always have someone go into the archives. They go to www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the keys 107. And you look for Respectful Life hosted by Brother Leroy. And you look for today's date. February 19, 2013, and you'll be taken to the archives. They can hear the program, Brother Robert in the beginning and Sister Sophia Stewart following. God bless you all. Thank you for your support. Peace. Ah, cats. Jump back and dust off your Cadillac. You're listening to Respect for Life with your host, Brother Leroy, on the Keys Network. Blog Talk Radio, baby. Act like you already knew. Ow! Unlocking the doors to unlimited possibility. Your blog talk radio isn't really on. 